discussing <laughs> until now <laughs> is the idea of friendship and we're examining it examining it through the eyes of the Maharal. What is friendship and how does it compare and contrast with other similar kinds of relationships? And what is the 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 idea of friendship in the global Jewish picture? The Maharal says that friendship is such a strong bond between people that it completely overrides or completely um, dims the other kinds of relationships. For example, a sibling relationship of brotherhood cannot compare in its strength and fortitude to that of a friendship. And he gives two reasons for that fact. He says that friendship needs to be, first of all, there needs to be a um, two diverse, disparate individuals coming together. Junior Pen? So, so two disparate individuals have to come together to form that bond requires a lot of strength in the connection they have. If the connection isn't real, they ain't staying together. Because there's nothing else that brings them together. And the second thing it requires is a choice. Whereas a brotherhood, first of all, you're very similar, so therefore they don't need to, you don't need to work that hard to get along with each other. Because, And furthermore, the relationship is basically thrust upon you by birth. You know, So there's no real investment that's needed. And therefore, brothers aren't automatically closely connected. Of course, if brothers invest in a friendship, they can become the closest friends possible because they can then have a dual connection. But it's not a product of their brotherhood that they become close, it's a product of their friendship. Friendship is a way that bonds are created. Now, on a national level, that means that the nation of, in this context, the Jewish people, need something to make them go together as a cohesive whole. If the nation doesn't have a bonding agent which allows them a being together, so the nation will dissolve. There'll be nothing pulling it together. So ironically, for Jewish survival, friendship is a prerequisite. It's quite an interesting angle to perceive it. People look at Jewish survival and they, perhaps they, they, they explore it from the philosophical and from the, from the intellectual perspective. The relational perspective is as follows, that unless there's something connecting me to my fellow Jews, and I feel bonded and I feel invested and I feel that them and I are on the same path so the national, the national cohesiveness disintegrates and therefore even if there's an overlap in let's say ideology but the nation essentially cannot function as a whole so it's not only that friendship has a play in terms of my own personal emotional fulfillment it becomes an issue of national um, mission which is an interesting focus then the, Ramcha, then the Maral. Now I'm going to go into a very difficult section of the Maral. Difficult because he describes things and you want to grasp at them and they seem a little bit difficult to, to actually get a close handle on. So let's go into the next stage of the Maral. And uh, he puts across a medrash. A medrash meaning um, the words of the sages which expound upon a given verse and they derive principles from it. The verse that's picked in this particular medrash, it's the medrash in the Chumash Vayikra of Leviticus, and it's the famous verse of Vahavtal Rechakamoicha, a person should love his fellow man as himself. Vahavtal Rechakamoicha. And comes along Rabbi Akiva, one of the greatest to know him, and he says, Vahavtal Rechakamoicha, and then he says the following words, That's a huge principle, that's a major principle of Torah. Now, just to give you a bit of an understanding of what a klal is, because I think it's going to be necessary. A you know, klal is a general principle, but to illustrate what a klal is, 
a klal is a heading for a variety of different items. In logical thought, it's an, a, a klal is produced through a process known as induction. For example, um, in this room, there are bookshelves, tables, benches, a chair, a stender, a whiteboard. If I want to make a klal, a general heading of all those things, I would call them all furniture. Furniture encapsulates in it all these items. It's a general word for many things. It contains. A klal literally means a container. It contains chairs, it contains tables, it contains... Furniture is a generic term for all. Good? So everything which is in this room subscribes to it, has that principle attached to it. It is furniture. The chairs, are furniture, the, ta- the chairs and the tables are very different. But they all have a common theme running through them. They're all furniture. However, however, I'm in this room, so does that make me furniture? I mean, the truth is, I've been here a long time, it may do. But let's talk about Philip. Does it make him furniture? No, because even though he's in the room, he's not part of that same category. So even though, so therefore he's a different category. So a clown, everything in the clown that belongs under that inclusive statement has to have a common theme that unites it. So let's say the common theme which unites furniture are items which provide a, a benefit in the furniture. domestic concept. I don't know how to, uh, there wasn't a good definition, but yeah, it was way too vague a definition, but I don't know how to define furniture, but something along that, uh, don't know. That which provides a furnishing aspect. Yeah, okay, yeah. but you try to define object, furniture. Objects that humans utilize for their benefit. It sounds like a. It sounds yeah. It sounds like a car. It sounds like a boat. It sounds like <laughs> it sounds like a tree. It sounds like household objects. <laughs> yeah. That that is so I don't know what you're. It's a spoon. It's a cup. It's, a, it's very hard to define. But forget what the definition is, right? The point is you understand the principle that I'm that I'm explaining. It means that, 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 that there's a there's a general group. A group has properties. All the parts of those groups share the properties comes along Rabbi Akiva and he says there's a group which under that group all most of the mitzvahs in the Torah belong. Most of the commandments in the Torah, I use the word commandments to describe mitzvahs as a loose translation because it's not accurate. Most of the mitzvahs in the Torah can be fall under the general heading of you should love your fellow man as yourself. Now that obviously causes us to think because again our general approach to Torah is a questioning one. We engage. We don't accept the information passively. We say, one second, that makes no sense. No! Excuse me. I know mitzvahs in the Torah. For example, the phylacteries I lay in the morning, in the morning hours. Phylacteries. It sounds rude, but it's not. It means to fill in in Greek. Why you don't say to fill in Greek? But fill in. Tfilin is that I know not in Yiddish. Tfilin is, is a part that shows me how I have a relationship with my man. Kashrus, keeping the laws of kosher. Tzitzis, these fringes upon my immaculately <coughs> square, four cornered garment. Those are, those are Lulav, Sukkot, Shabbos. What are you talking about? The, the mitzvahs, those are all share common property of loving your fellow man as yourself. No, if you ask me what is the after a commercial that you have to love your fellow man as yourself, I would say that's a part, that's, that's an item, that's not a principle, that's not a general heading of the mitzvahs in the Torah. 
if you say something like belief in God, understand that Tfilin involves belief in God, Tzitzit involves belief in God. Yes, if you say the general principle in the church is belief in God, I say, I got you. Because every mitzvah shares that property. But every mitzvah shares the property of loving your fellow man? No! I can understand that visiting the sick, yeah! Giving tithes to the poor, oh yeah! Returning a lost object, vada! Giving back a lost uh, something that you've stolen, uh, maybe! Because maybe that's just justice, maybe that's not loving your fellow man, maybe they're just keeping the laws of the country. But, 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 but other mitzvahs? No! Comes a little bit here and he says, you're wrong! I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you! That the Avtarech is their cloud god over It includes many different mitzvahs. I say, do you have a I don't understand what you're talking about. Do you understand? Frustrating. That's called, that's how you learn Torah. You don't learn Torah being similar like a little mouse that when the church says something, you squeak away in the corner and say anything you say. No, you learn it like a lion. Household items used to support other <laughs> objects or people. That's a great, a great description. Household items used to support other objects or people. Yeah. Bookshelves, chairs, tables, carpets. Yeah, furniture is generally household. Otherwise, you because there's office furniture is different. I'm to think the definition didn't but it's furniture, furniture, but we're still using the word furniture. Right, so, so this is household furniture, you're right. Maybe so you, you, could, you, could, you could... Fixed structures. You could... No, fixed structures describes yeah, most yeah. of the universe. Uh, good, that was great. The last five minutes that, was, that, was, that, was, that was magnificent. Thank you. That was really. That was, I'm glad you used your time wisely. Um, <laughs> so, so. Ben Samuel, I've just told you what to do. Why are you asking me questions? Oh, you're joking. Go on, lion. Roar away. Say it with a little <coughs> bit more conviction, Ben. <coughs> there you go. <laughs> look, look, look aggressive. Like, kind of your body language should be a little bit more antagonistic. Okay. Face to more of the foot. What do you want? Come on, speak. But the underlying principle of yeah, is an awareness that there's a world outside your own. Oh, oh, okay. You're already giving. Okay, well, you want to say this here? You want to come here? Okay, <laughs> so let's wait and see. I uh, hear, yeah, I uh, yeah, Good thinking. I uh, hear. Yeah. Ah, I got you, I, I got you, good. I hear what you're saying. Could be, okay, so let's see. But you understand the problem before we get on to resolutions. You understand the problem? Shamir, do you understand the problem? Not. <laughs> Maybe that's just your way of saying yes, you understand the problem. But I'm not reacting. But I'm assuming that you don't understand the problem by your lack of reaction. The problem is as follows. Rebbe Kiva comes along and he says, this mitzvah of loving your fellow man as yourself is a mitzvah which is a major, it's a, it's, 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 it's a prototype of mitzvah which many other mitzvahs are subcategories thereof. That's what he says. But seemingly, Shamir, that's inaccurate. Because why would mitzvahs like, for example, Tefillin and Shabbos, why would those be a category of loving your fellow man as yourself? Seemingly, they're completely unrelated. They're a completely separate group. You with me, Ost? Yes. Great. You with me now, Shams? Yeah. Great. Yonatan, you with me? Yes. Hmm. <laughs> Judging by the pause and body language, I somehow doubt the integrity of that answer. But nevertheless, the point is that Vavtara Kamocha Simi is a, is, a, is, a, is a sectional mitzvah, it's not a global mitzvah. Good. So, that's, so how can Rebbe Kiva say this? Ben Azai, Ben Azai Oimer, Ben Azai is another Tana, another 
Tana, meaning he's of a sage of high authority. John, could you pass me that Chumash directly next year? On top, beautiful. So Ben Azai says, Ben Azai says, Zeh Sefer told us Adam, who called Yosem is there. Sefer told us Adam. So this is actually a verse he chooses, and now this is if you thought Rabbi Akiva was saying something strange, listen to the words of Ben Azai. Ben Azai picks out a verse in Bereshis, in Genesis, in the very beginning of the creation of man, and the verse described before going into listing all the offspring of Adam, of Adam the first man. The verse says, Um, sometimes verses do kind of move around to fool me. So you go back to the place where they used to be and they're not there anymore. That's, that's happening right now. Um, oh, 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 oh. Okay. There we go. It's the first verse. It's the first verse in chapter 5 of Genesis. Zer Sefer told us Adam. This is the description. Sefer means from the word Lisaper in Hebrew, which means to tell over a story. A sipur is a story. This is a story of the generations of man. And then the next words are, Adam. In the day that Hashem created man, Bedmus Elohim in the image of God he made him so this verse that man was made in the image of God is says Ben Azai the opponent in this particular Medrash of Rabbi Akiva Ben Azai it's an even bigger principle it's an even bigger way of grouping the mitzvahs in other words this verse which says man was created in the image of God is a much broader way of describing all the mitzvahs fall much more snugly under that heading. So the Maral goes on to say the following question. The Yesh Lishol says the Maral, I would like to ask the following question. The Maral asks our question. He says, why is it so? Why is this such a big cloud in the Torah? Why is it such considered such a major category? Hooray, his starting point, his assumption is many, many mitzvahs do not fit under the, underneath a category. Why is it described as the a great principle which governs most of the laws of Torah? It's just not accurate. Now he begins, brings an interesting Gemara, a piece of Talmud, which describes a very famous occurrence that occurred many, many years ago with the two sages who were the leaders of their generation at the time, namely Hillel and Shammai. There was a non-Jew Shammai and he came in front of Shammai he said to Shammai he said I want you to do me a favor he went to Shammai he said Shammai I would like you to convert me to Judaism on the condition that you teach me 
the entire Torah while I'm standing on one foot. Now there's obviously an assumption that the Gemara makes that this person wasn't holding any major Guinness Board record, Guinness Book, uh, World, Guinness Book of World Records for standing on one foot. Meaning he had a normal standing on one foot capacity. Which I don't know how long that is. But I'm not giving it months. Pashtas, I'm not giving it days. In other words, he wants the entire Torah Shammah. He wants to learn the entire Torah. In, in other words, the analogies. He wants to know it all in a very short space of time. Basically, he says, I want to be Jewish. Tell me everything that is to know about Judaism. I'm giving you five minutes. So what do you do in that situation? Someone comes to you and says that to you. How do you respond to that question? Can you encapsulate all of Judaism, can you synthesize the essence of all of Torah in one little bite-sized chunk? Says Beishamai. Listen, I'm not going to do that. Instead, And now why Beishamai was, why Shammai was holding a, it was a measuring, like a big ruler, which was approximately 50 centimeters long. And he was holding this. Why he was holding this, I have no idea. But he was holding it. So he thought, ah, oh, I've got a fantastic way of using it now. And he poked this person in the, I'm not, I don't know, it could be in the ribs. Poked. Poked. poked? He pushed. He pushed Dachwa, he pushed him with it. And in other words, he showed his disdain at the person. He thought that this was a tremendous act of chutzpah that you're coming to me and you're saying, oh, by the way, you've got this incredible body of knowledge that you were given by God himself. And you say, oh, well, just tell me what it's about. I've got five minutes. Come on, I'm counting. Ah, that's a chutzpah. How dare you? So he pushed him away. He says, you don't deserve to listen. And off he went. Probably, I don't know if he fell because he was standing on one foot. But he went away. Then he goes to Hillel. Goes over to Hillel. And he brought Ifna Hillel. Came in front of Hillel and he asked him the same question. So what did Hillel do? Hillel Gara, he converted him on the spot. But what did he say to him? How in the world was he able to tell him everything there is to know about Torah in one small little pithy sentence? Do you know what he did, Shamir? He found the sentence which encapsulated the essence of Torah. So when he knew this, he'd know everything! Except just that this was the heading and you just have to get to the items. When I know furniture, I know that there's chairs and tables and bookshelves. I know it all. But I can encapsulate it. I can contain it all in the word furniture. As they say in America. America. So, Hilal converted him. Amalei. And he said, this is what Torah is. This is all of Torah. He says the following thing. The Allah sani lechavrach loisavid. What is hateful to you do not do to others. That's it. That's what Torah is. What is hateful to you, don't do to others. Zuhi! That! Kola Torah That's the whole of the Torah. Ve'idach perusha. The rest of the 613 mitzvahs is purely an explanation of that sentence. Zil gumor. Go and learn. But everything you learn now, if you want to categorize it, it will all fall under the heading of what's hateful to you, don't do it to others. Now, excuse me, I don't see what's being resolved over here. I don't understand why Trillin has got anything to do. If it's hateful to me, I won't do it to others. Nor Shabbos, nor Lulav, nor Esrog, nor Shatnas, Pora Aduma, the Red Heifer. Do you know what I'm saying? 
So now Rashi comes and he resolves the question in a very ingenious way. It says Rashi, and the Maral quotes Rashi. Rashi, this is a Gemara, so there's a commentary of Rashi on this Gemara. <coughs> Pierce Rashi Sham, Rashi says as follows. He says a very interesting twist. The Allah Sani Lechavach Loisavid. What's hateful to you, do not do to others, says Rashi. The friend and the friend of your father's, Al-Tazov, do not leave him. And he says, who's they referring to? Ze'akodesh Bochu. It's referring to God. And he says as follows. And Rashi basically steps, sidesteps the question. He says, when it says, what's hateful to you, don't do to your friend. And he says, since you don't like people doing things that you don't want and God wants you to do this and this and this and this and this so you realize that it's not nice when people don't do what you want so therefore you shouldn't do what he doesn't want excuse me that's a bit of a sidestep is it not mm. right that's, that seems basically it says keep all the mitzvahs <laughs> but Rashi gives us another pshat do you, you, you all get that pshat Dean Shanan? you got it you got it got it good good Shamir Sure, no problem. Yonatan? Yes. Good. It's just like this. Hilal said to this person who wants to convert on one foot, what's right. hateful you, don't do to others, right? right, right. So comes on Rashi and says, Who's, what's hateful to you, don't do to others. And if you know the principle, since you know God wants you to keep all the mitzvahs, and since you know that if someone wants you to do something, you want them to listen to you, you wouldn't want to do something. In other words, if you don't like people, um, if you don't like people making a loud noise when you go to sleep, so you understand that you should make a loud noise and others are going to sleep. What's hateful to you, don't do to others. If you don't like people um, not putting on deodorant for days on end, so you also realize that you should put on deodorant and even occasionally, maybe once or twice a month, shower. Because otherwise it's unpleasant for those around you. If you don't like people um, saying hurtful words to you so you should say hurtful words to them in other words what you don't like other people doing to you you shouldn't do to them correct what you want of yourself you want people to respect you so you should respect them good so so that's so says rashi just like you're aware that when you want something you want people what's hateful to you don't do unto others and since it's hateful for you one of the things you don't want people to do is if you ask someone to do something, you really want them to do something, it's really upsetting if they don't do it. So therefore, you'll do what other people want and you expect other people to do what you want, correct? Well, Hashem wants you to keep mitzvahs. So therefore, just like you want other people to do what you want and it's hateful to you if they don't, so therefore you should be in have integrity and not do what you want others to do to you. You want others to listen to what you say, so therefore you should listen to what others say. The others in the saying is Hashem, so you listen to what I say Hashem has to say. And therefore you should keep all the mitzvahs. Now, if you ask me, Shams, that, 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 that's a bit of a forced understanding of the Gemara. You know? It kind of sidesteps the issue. Because it basically says, this person comes to Hillel, and he says, tell me what the Torah is. And he says, the Torah is, God wants you to keep it, keep it. You haven't told me anything. You haven't told me anything. You've just told me I have to do it. It makes sense I have to do it because I want other people to do it. But you haven't told me the essence of what the Torah is all about. So Rashi offers another suggestion. His other suggestion is, Lishnachrina, Chavrach Mamish. When I say your friend, I mean literally your friend. Kugoyin, Gneva, Gzela, Neof, Verev, He says that 
For example, theft, you don't want other people to steal from you, don't steal from them. You don't want other people to be adulterous, so you shouldn't be adulterous. And he says, those are the examples he gives. He gives stealing, adultery, and then he adds on varoiv mitzvahs and most of the other mitzvahs. Hello? Not most of the other mitzvahs. So on this, the Maral says, goes on, he says, Rashi goes on, the rest of the Torah is an explanation of this. The rest of the Torah is just telling you, you don't know what people don't like. So the Torah tells you, this, this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad. Says the Maharal on this, he says, And the two explanations of Rashi are very far-fetched. Now, I want you to just pause and make an aside over here. You see that when engaging in the pursuit of Jewish knowledge, it's not a journey. It's a battle. It's a war. Not only that, but the people who feature in our line of scholarly tradition are referred to as the Baletrisim, the shield-bearers because they have to protect themselves from assault. The process of learning is referred to the war of Torah. And the Gemarian condition says it's so extreme that even the person that you the most respectful of and the most intimately connected to, your father and your teacher, when you start discussing a piece of Torah, you become enemies, foes, opponents, not friends. And when it comes to Mishnah Torah, draw the sword of your seichel and engage in a duel. Not only that, it says, badim, a sword to the badim. Who are the badim? Do you know who the badim are? The badim are the people that learn by themselves and they don't engage in this discussion and debate. And he says, why? One of the explanations given is as follows. Your mind is like a sword. It can cut meaning it can define and delineate different ideas. The way we grasp the world is through the delineation of different ideas. Just like the way we see the world is by finding the outer, outer boundaries of a given object. Otherwise, the world would be one big visual mush. Acuity of vision is the ability to distinguish between different items and separate them from your field of vision. The better you can do that, the better your eyesight is. So too in the intellectual realm. The clearer your intellectual eyesight is, the more you're able to define and differentiate between different concepts. You're able to see the crisp outlines of their borders clearly in the intellectual realm. Therefore, that ability to slice the outer edges is a sword-like action. It requires a sharpness, a razor edge to make the cut. And therefore, when you're engaged in an argument with another, it's like you're in a duel. And as your swords clash, they become sharper. Your methodology of approach becomes better. And in the resultant battle, the truth evolves. So the Gemarian condition says, become an enemy to your Torah friend. Become an enemy. And it is an interesting thing. It says, that's how it starts off. When you start off the argument, 
you're at loggerheads with one another and you're engaged in a fight of mortal combat. But the end process is the deepest bond that could ever occur. Because within that battle, the new idea is clearly forged. And through this fight that you have, the truth comes to light. And therefore, the process of your combat gave birth to a new pristine idea. And there's nothing that bonds people closer than when their joint actions produce a child. The child of their scholarly engagement. So therefore, you become an enemy, and that will make you the deepest friend. So Torah is a fight, and that's why the Maharal, when he examines Rashi's Pshat, he doesn't say, oh, Rashi is my senior, and therefore, how may I doubt his words? <coughs> no! The overriding theme of Judaism is question, question, and question again. And therefore he says, I've examined through the sword of my logic the explanations advocated by my master and teacher, and in terms of their relationship to this Gomorrah, I differ to the nth degree and say, that's not what it's talking about. And he has the courage and the stolz, a Yiddish word for guts to do so. And that's what we have to do when we're learning. Someone tells you something that you don't grasp and you don't understand because you, it doesn't make sense to you. It is forbidden to sit idly by and say, okay, listen, huh? I'm a sheep. And bear constantly onwards. Khalil of You have to say, that makes no sense. That makes no sense. And you're doing a disservice to yourself and to the Torah and to the Rebbe if you don't. If you feel that the Torah is so flimsy that if you ask one or two kashas, difficulties on it, it's going to fall to pieces, that's an insult. The more faith you have in a system, the more free you feel to questions every tenet. That's why Torah is focused around questions. Other religions shy away from questions because they're insecure about their foundations. Torah embraces them. Not embraces it. The entire structure of learning revolves around it. The pinnacle of Torah education is the Seder night. That's how Imuna, faith is built. How is it built? Only through question and answer. To the degree that if there's no one to ask you the questions, the Gemara of the Mishnah says, ask them to yourself. Because you have to ask questions. So therefore, the Maral leaves Rashi and he says, to say that's the understanding of the Gemara is pushed, it's forced, it doesn't fit well. Rather, we have to advocate a revolutionary new understanding of how this mitzvah of friendship incorporates the entirety the body of the Torah to the degree that if you want to sum up in one sentence what Torah is all about, you can say it, it's about friendship. But that sounds absurd, and therefore we'll have to wait for the next exciting installment of friendship and Torah and the theater in the year. It's always, it's